welcomed. Spirit Switchboard, airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 New Orleans. Hello and welcome everybody to Spirit Switchboard. I am your host, Carrie Lynn Shellhorn, and you are listening to us on 105.3 and 107.7 United Public Radio Network and the UFO Paranormal Radio Network, New Orleans. Today on the show, we're welcoming researcher, podcaster, and author, Jeff Belanger. Belanger, Belanger, Canadian, French. So what's the difference yeah and i think that works right it's finding the middle ground that's That's what we're going to be talking about today right absolutely finding that middle ground thanks for joining us i was so excited when you responded to my email so quickly um i have followed along your journey for so long that you know i I had a, a thousand questions and places i wanted to go to uh, before we even get to the Krampus and, uh, you know, Christmas ghosties and ghoulies. Sure. Okay. Well, um, thanks for following. I don't know where I'm going. but Oh, I'll my leave. gosh. Come along. Well, I need to give you some, I need to give props to you too for inspiring something that I did. I, um, one of the things that I saw you do when you were engaging with people are the Valentine's Day cards that you send out to people. Right, yeah. Right. So um, three years ago, you know, we're all sitting at at home. We're all kind of sitting at home. And I had been making these little cards. and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's such a great idea. Maybe I'm going to flip up a post on social media and let people know, you know, whoever the first few people are that send me a message. I'll send them a Valentine's Day card in the mail. So I sent, uh, you know, I said I was only going to send 50 and I sent way more than 50 because I felt bad because so many people responded. (laughs) But the response back was uh, like literally made me teary because people who had lost their partner, partner had died. They're having their first celebration, their first Valentine's Day without their partner. They had some stories were very tragic where they had a child die and there was this connection. Like the, it just brought so many people together. We forget sometimes how, you know, lonely certain holidays can be and sure. Right. So, you know, thanks. Thank you to you. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. I started that when my daughter was in kindergarten. She was making homemade Valentines for everybody in class. Yeah. This was literally like a decade ago. And um, she she was having so much fun making a Valentine for every single kid in the class. And I said, oh, I miss that. I miss just giving out Valentines. So, you know, I posted, said, hey, if you need a Valentine, just send me your mailing address. I've got 25. And then I think that first year I did 50. And yeah. now, now I actually get postcards printed because it's hundreds. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I've had people come up to me and say, that's the first Valentine I've received in like 25 years. And I right? just, oh. so, but yeah, no, it's a little thing. And you're right. Uh, the, the holidays have inherent power to them. They as do. You know, right. And, and only because we've, we've collectively decided to circle them on a calendar, uh, you know, to set aside specific days for specific yeah. things. 
And then, of course, Hallmark and everybody else takes over and tells us how we're supposed to be and feel and do and all these things on these various mm-hmm. holidays. Right. And if we feel we're falling short of that, we get down on ourselves, which is a shame because I think any holiday can have its own traditions. I mean, it's all just sort of packaged tradition anyway. Right. And, and you're allowed to define yours every day this year. Yeah. Make your, your Valentine's Day can be different than last year's and, or next year's. It doesn't matter. It can They can be let go of and they can evolve. Right. Giving ourselves permission to do either. In, That's right. Yeah. And not staying stuck to it, you know. That's the thing about a tradition, right? What is a tradition except a habit from the past? Right. And if it works for you, great. Keep it up, you know. If it doesn't work for you, though, then you need to have the... Um, I guess the, the conscious foresight to say, yeah. well, let's let this thing go. You know what I mean? Uh, I know a family that, that would make like their grandmother's nut roll every year for, for Christmas and nobody liked eating it, <laughs> <laughs> but they made it because it's like, Oh, grandma used to make this. And we're like, you didn't like it then either. Right. Why don't you just make something else. You can, you can honor her another way. Why don't you put her picture up and just say, Oh, we miss you. And we don't miss your nut roll. Right. Well, so that's one of the things that I do is I set an extra table setting out somewhere and it's, it's just for that person, but it's, it's not just that Christmas holiday. It's, it's at any get together, just, you know, a, a conscious effort to try to include past family members and ancestors and everybody else who's, you know, part of our story and our journey. So it's, we create it like, um, but okay. So that was the first thing I want uh, your name, Valentine's day. I want to get all these things because I will be a squirrel on Red Bull and go sideways. So I, <laughs> it okay. happens, happens very easy for me. Um, and I wanted to, I was thinking, what I was thinking about for you too, was how um, blessed, hopefully you feel, but how blessed I would see you. Like not everybody gets to um, have their passion, their profession. Yeah, that it's funny what it looks like from the outside because yeah. don't get me wrong, I love what I do most. Yeah, days. yeah. But some days, I mean, this is how I pay my bills. Right. And when when you do something to pay your bills, it is your job, and yes. you have to do it even if you're not feeling it. And the yes. thing about this job is, it can be late at night, on weekends, holidays, you know, like everything else. Um, I, I do know. Yeah, right. So I sometimes get envious of people that have nine to five jobs that at five o'clock they can just shut it off and then go do something they're passionate about, whether it's music or ghost hunting or, or whatever it is that, that really yeah. gets them going. Yeah. And I, on the other hand, um, find my inspiration almost every single day when I go to my mailbox and I see these bills and I just go, <laughs> oh, I got to pay these. <laughs> so I'm yeah. inspired to keep moving. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah. I am totally blessed. And I, I really, really do love most of it. Um, and, and I'm grateful that I, I get to do this. And what's nice too, is I've been doing it so long that my, the work is actually easier. And the reason it's yeah. easier is because I get emails and social media messages all the time that are like, Hey, have you heard about this crazy story here? And I locally, go, right. Even and, though you, yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I say, well, no, I don't know anything about that, but I'm going to look into it. That's great. Thank you. I mean, so yeah. it's like crowdsourced, which is great. It's nice to have a feel like, yeah. you know, part of a team. And it's different when you, because I get that. 
I, I, you know, I work as a full-time medium. It's like from the time I was little kid, I had this ability and then I used to do hair for a living. And sometimes I wish that I went back and did hair, you know, because, because there's just that public demand and, and the going places and events. But then once you're in the middle and you're engaging with people at these live events and you see how they're engaging with you and they're invested in what you have to offer. There is that, you know, um, that energy that you're drawing from, you know, like you, you get why musicians love being in front of crowds. Right. That's that's still my favorite thing is to do in front of live audiences to to share my work and stories. That's um, the most exhilarating for me because I don't get to sit in your living room when you watch the TV shows I work on and, yeah. I don't get to sit in your lap when you read my books um, or ride in your car with you when you listen to my podcast or whatever. So yeah. uh, being in front of a live audience, you can you can feel when something is is connecting. And yeah. that is an amazing feeling. It's, it's my favorite thing to do. I probably do, gosh, between like 80 and 90 um, live events per year now. And right. um, yeah, and, and it's, it's a lot. It is a lot, but it's almost like one every third day. But I still think I could do more. And of course you want bigger audiences and bigger venues. And so we'll get there. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes those bigger, the bigger venues lose a little bit of intimacy attached to it as well too. I guess, but there's also like, there's this thing that happens now. I'm, I'm not doing readings for the audience, right? I'm, I'm just surfing a wave of energy of, of, of a crowd. And and so, so it's a little bit different. And, and so um, when you're speaking in front of, I'd say anything over than like, 50 people like an audience of 50 you can actually make eye contact with all 50 exactly. people in the room you totally yeah. can once it gets to be a hundred or so like whether there's a hundred or ten thousand i don't think there's really a difference anymore because you're not going to make eye contact with 150 people you're not but the energy contact. in the room shifts. well, it, well it, it is different for sure and yeah. so if you can get if you can get a, a lot of energy going in a big room it's easy. You just ride the wave all the way into shore and, and, and off you yeah. go. And if yeah. it's not there, you, you got to make the waves and, and that's, um, and that's fun too. It's a fun challenge, but, but I think yeah. I lean on, um, the, the, the stories that I share, the history, the folklore, the legends and, um, the, the true life encounters because they, they work and, and they work because they resonate with people. Like we, we all hear yeah. something, some inherent truth in it whether we're talking about afterlife stuff or, you know, spirit communication, or even if we get into the realm of like aliens and, and cryptids and other monsters, yeah, uh, there's something in there that you go, yeah, I really think there's something more to all this. And we get to explore it through stories. And whether right. you leave a skeptic or a believer, it's not really up to me. I don't, I'm not trying to convert anyone to anything. I just sort of share what I've learned and we let the chips fall where they fall. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, um, or you, uh, yeah, you mentioned and brought up a little bit about shows that you've worked, I mean, hundreds, you've been on hundreds of different uh, shows and podcasts and talk shows, but the one, you know, there's two that uh, I wanted to bring up. So the New England Legends, so the show and uh, your podcast, if you talk a little bit about that and a little one that people may recognize you from that's... <laughs> has a very long running actually, which is, is quite surprising as uh, ghost adventures. So yeah. could you share a little bit about both of those? Where would you like to start? <laughs> oh my gosh. Just has it surprised you how long ghost adventures, like you write um, and research for them, correct? Yeah. Every episode since episode one. 
Um, Crazy. All of them for 15 years. That is years. a long journey. It really is. And for any television show to make it 15 years, is there's not many that do. There's a couple. There's a few that have, that have yeah. done it, but not many and in any genre or realm or otherwise. So when Ghost Adventures first started, I had never worked in television. It was 2008. I'd written really? books. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've been interviewed and stuff, but like I, I've written books, I've written for newspapers and magazines, websites, I've done radio interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd never worked in the medium of television. So they wanted someone that knew the haunts and knew the history. And it was supposed to just be eight episodes. And I said, yeah, cool. That's that's something different. It's just a different medium, but it's the same subject. So I can do that. And we did it. And when you start a new show, one of the things people don't realize is it's really hard to come up with a formula for something it has to it has to sort of like it has to have a formula you know you have to develop yeah. a show and sure i mean it looks a little bit similar to things you've seen before but it's still your own new take on it and so all of us are working so hard there wasn't that big of a crew and it was just supposed to be eight episodes so we came out and it started airing and i went well that was great now back to my life back to writing books and other stuff. right and then um the travel channel called us it was first on travel here in the u.s and um the travel channel called and said Hey, we have a hit. How fast can you get back to work? And we said, I uh, tomorrow, I guess, you know, and, and that yeah. was the last day off. It just kept going and going. Then it went to streaming. Now it's on discovery. And, and so uh, at this point, I'm just too close to it to have any sort of understanding whatsoever about how the audience perceives it. Um, right. and, and so when someone says like, Oh, I just saw the new episodes this weekend, I, I go, where was that? Because we worked on it months ago. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And we're probably working on a different location today. And so my whole brain is taken up by whatever the next one is, because that's the most important. We got to get everything together we can for the next shoot, which could be this week, could be next week. And so that's always the top priority. And so when an episode finally comes out, I'm just like, oh God, that was that was months ago. You're right? way over it. Yeah. And, and so yeah. I'm, we're just sort of on to the next one. But no, it, it, the, the funniest thing to me is that once in a while I'll give a talk or something and, and some young person, maybe in like their, their 20s or something, will come up and say, oh, I love Ghost Adventures. I've been watching that since I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> hard, right? And I go, oh, I'm, I'm, I, if you, I guess I'm that old. <laughs> I was working on it when you were a kid. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, 15 years. It's been an amazing run. It's awesome. And, and yeah. I'm so grateful for it because it also allows me to do everything else that I do you know that i can well, that i can do my other projects too right and i and there's there's that balance in 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 having different creative outlets right well sure so ghost adventures i mean that's zach's baby you know i'm, I'm yeah. an employee i i yep. I'm, I'm here to help and get him all the information that i can so he can do his thing and um you know do whatever i can to to make that a success and then there's other stuff that i work on that that's that's my baby and yeah. um and I, I like both you know i mean it's it's um for sure but yeah but sometimes you're like oh well this is this is my thing i conceived it i created it i host it yeah. i write it i produce it you know and, and and those kinds of projects when those hit it feels even better because yeah. you're not just a one of many you know you're you're yeah. one of a very few that, that make it happen like my christmas tree is haunted <laughs> best song ever it, it. <laughs> It it made me laugh. It was it's awesome. So yeah, that's that's just, that's old too. I mean, that's got to be like twelve years old or something. I don't. I mean, no, I don't know. But it's it's older. I, see, I told you, following along, yeah, right? You were a kid. And so um, <laughs> no, no, my kid was a kid. Your kid was a kid. So 
I, I wrote a song. It's on YouTube. It's free. You can go find it and just listen to it. So uh, yeah. I wrote this blues song, My Christmas Tree is Haunted. And I'm very fortunate to have like talented friends. So my buddy yeah. John, who I grew up with, he's a full-time musician and, and he put down the tracks and stuff. My father-in-law, who actually had a top 40 hit in the 70s, he sang right. it. And so the song came out and I was just putting it out each year, just like, hey, friends, here's a, have a laugh. You know what I mean? You can, you can listen to it, do whatever and um and share it and then um i, I got i got a quite a feather in my cap a, a friend of mine who produces an annual charity album called rock for christmas right. contacted me years ago and said hey can we use your song on this album eddie money's got a song on there cheap trick has a song on there <laughs> and, and like these other bands and stuff and i just went me with eddie money and cheap trick on an album and i said absolutely like i did i just did this for fun and i mean if it can help yeah. by all means and yeah, so yeah. it came out and then they had a concert that that uh that, that december and Eddie Money was the headliner. And so I got wow. to go backstage and I got to meet Eddie Money and I got to see the concert. And I was just like, wow, look at me. You know, I, I did a thing and it's on this album. No one knew who I was. It didn't matter. But I just thought it was kind of funny to just be like, oh, yeah, I wrote a song. You know, it's on an album with Cheap Trick and Eddie Money. But, <laughs> it's which, a great which, story. I, I'm sure they're not aware of that. They're just like, oh, yeah, Jeff Belander. <laughs> we did an album with him. No, you, they wouldn't know. Um, but it was fun. It's fun to just like, I still have that CD somewhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> just to see it and be like, oh yeah, look at that. Yeah. Is it a thing? Right. And, but doing those little things, it, it's those little slivers of joy, right? Like even talking about it still brings you this moment of, of, of joy. So well, I think it's hysterical. Something that I worked on like 12, 13 <laughs> years ago still gets brought up. And, and, yeah. and so the funny thing is that that's the funny thing about anything related to Christmas, right? Is that it has the ability to come back year after year, after year, after year. I mean, long lasting. Two words for you, Carolyn. Uh, Mariah Carey. Oh, no. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I don't care what you think of the song. Love it, hate it. Makes no difference whatsoever. Every year. Every year. Here, oh, you hear those. Oh, there it is, right? And it's back. And, and it's the Christmas season. It's the holiday season. Uh, if, if it becomes part of someone's tradition to listen to a song, then every year that song is going to come back again and again. Right. And that's the funny thing about art and creative stuff, right? You, you do this thing, you like, you make this little bird and you throw it into the air and you wonder what will happen to it. Sometimes it just falls like a stone and other yeah. times it soars. And yeah. uh, as a creative person, all you do is you just keep making new birds and see which one, which one goes, <laughs> you know. And you don't know, you don't know what people are going to gravitate to until it's out there. No so idea. It, it's nope. really taking that breath, closing your eyes and just hitting the button and sending it out and see what happens so yeah and then but you know too like so when you're when you're podcasting and things like that when you when you create a show when you create content uh hopefully you're doing it because you're passionate about it you're interested in it yeah. and you take an interest and you hope others will too but you can't think about groups when you're creating something mm -mm. you can only think about one person you know what i mean and and so I always try to number number one. I serve the story. Like the story sort of talks to you. Like if, if there's a yeah. legend or something floating around, it says, "Hey, this is what I need." And then you you serve that first. But then I think about telling it to one person, like a friend. You know what I mean? So so hey, I've got something to tell you. I, I got to tell you about this crazy thing I researched. And, yeah. and you, you think about telling it to one person, and sometimes that will resonate. But you can't think about like telling it to masses because that's that's faceless and cold. You know, yeah. a, a story is between. And if people. you're, if you're not interested in it and, and you're just trying to share it because you feel like that's what the mass is going to want, it doesn't ever feel right. 
like the energy is yeah. not there. It just doesn't feel authentic or you've brought your full integrity to it. It just, uh, doesn't doesn't land in the same way it's like a, it's like a bunch of cheesy pop songs that we could all think of where you just go oh that's soulless crap yep and, and, uh, <laughs> and then there's like real music that stirs you we're like whoa you know it really hits you hard yeah um okay so i i wrote down i i mean i have pages of notes i yeah. purchased yeah i truly do because i you know i was reading i got the book i purchased um uh, the fright before Christmas. So the Thank hard you. copy. Yep. The, um, the hardcover copy. It's stunning. Thank you. Thank you. It's man. absolutely a stunning book. The, the paper, the imagery, the, all of the colors. Um, and I'm all about a hardcovered book with a ribbon marker. So, you know, it's a it's, table, it's a coffee. Ah, yeah, so look. Here's what some people are missing. So it's supposed to be Krampus's tongue. <gasps> Shush up! That's, that was the idea. Was it was forked like Krampus's tongue? It doesn't matter. I'm glad you like it. But uh, but there was yeah. there was actually some thought behind it that was a little bit deeper that nobody but nobody's got. Doesn't matter. They're like, oh, how cool! Like it's got the ribbon bookmark. But I'm like, yeah. yes, it's red and it's my forked. mind is blown. Yeah, I know, right? Well, now you just found a little Easter egg. There you go. I did. For, I, well, you gave it to me. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I appreciate it. But definitely, you know, like your coffee table coffee table book that you know what well, you can i feel like you can use it to weed your friends out you know what i mean because like it's got a horrible monster holding yeah. a kid uh you know who's screaming in agony because he's probably going to die um and it, it's you know it's called the fright before christmas surviving krampus and other yuletide monsters and i feel like if you leave that out on your coffee table when friends come over if someone's like oh what is that that's that's terrible yeah. and they, they leave <laughs> you probably didn't want to be friends with them anyway no and, and if they're if, well and if those, they're like, Ooh, yeah. those are your people, right? <laughs> yes. And I think um, I only have those people come to my house. Honestly, <laughs> everybody's Good. ready for Krampus at my house. Everybody is ready for Krampus at my house. I have um, been quite verbal my, my whole life. I am 52 this year, 52, um, forever that Christmas was scarier than Halloween. Halloween was was yeah. fun, but Christmas, you move it and and somebody, you know, like I always kind of roll my eyes when I hear that thinning of the veil at Halloween. I get it. I get that thinning of the veil, but that veil stays wide open until after the new year because <laughs> this time of year is uh scarier ghost stories, scarier monsters. This is the season. Absolutely. And you're you're it, so correct. And and uh, so I got this, I, I bought this from a, a friend, but I know your listeners can't see it. But so if you yeah. think of the year as a wheel, right? And as right. a clock. So uh, all over the world, there's four major holidays, winter, spring, summer, fall, and then four minor ones halfway in between each. Uh, Samhain, the Celtic New Year, Halloween is halfway between the fall equinox and the winter uh, solstice. And, and Samhain, of course, is the sun setting on the year. If you think about it as like the year is like a day, right. that is the sunset. The sun is setting and I sure dusk is scary because night's coming. But if that's the sunset, Yule, midwinter, the solstice, <laughs> that's midnight. That yeah. is the darkest, coldest uh. part. And so ghosts, sure, the veil is thin. I get that ghosts scare some people. Sure, of course. But Christmas could kill you. There yes. Monsters <laughs> that could drag you out of your Literally. bed, drag you up into the mountains and like cut you up and cook you into a stew and, and you die. Right. So yeah. that's like nothing does that at Halloween. And so I've always no. thought that 
people. You're if you love spooky, I get it. Me too. Which is why I'm, I've been focused more on Christmas lately because this is really the one where where the frights come out. I agree, one hundred percent. And uh, you know. I saw the book and I was like, oh my gosh, I am emailing. I am going to cross my fingers and toes and hope he agrees to come on because I feel seen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I text all of my children. My oldest kiddo is 30. And then right, my baby is 18 and I text the kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, listen to the title of this book. And they're like... (laughs) Did he consult you? And I went, nope, unfortunately not for this one. But if there's a sequel, we might hang out. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. It's it's, I, this, it's this amazing. Book, this book was born like 10 years ago. Um, I literally was was hanging a plastic fake reef on my front door and it broke. Right. And I was my fingers were cold because I live in New England and it's cold in, in December. And yeah. um, and then not long after that, a, a local um history museum said, Hey, I know you do a lot of Halloween talks about haunted places and things like that. Would you consider doing a talk about Krampus? And I went, well, that could be fun. I've been meaning to sort of look into the old guy anyway. And, um, so that's how it began. And then I started doing these talks and afterwards people like, Hey, have you ever heard about this monster from this country or this monster? And and I'm just writing it all down, you know, and going back and every year this, this, this stage show sort of evolved. And then finally my publisher contacted me and said, this should be a book. And I said, yeah, I've, I've thought that for a long time and I, I'm ready. Let's do it. And then yeah. when, when they said they want it to be hardcover, full color, you know, I said, I want all this great art. There's so much great historic art. Uh, a lot of it's public domain, like the old Krampus postcards and things yeah. like that. I'm like, I, I want to show that because this is so, so visual. And they said, nope, we're totally on board. And so that's how it sort of came together. And um, and I spent, you know, I, I mean, 10 years in the making, but the better part of a year writing it. And then, yeah. um, I'm just it's it's pretty neat to see it finally come out and I'm so grateful that you like it because it's I love it uh, like I said these little birds we throw in the air like we don't know we don't know how they're gonna land and uh, yeah so I mean I have a huge collection of of Krampus things people people just know that that's uh, you know more my jive than Halloween and I'm the talk to dead people chick for a living (laughs) (laughs) it's like Bring on Christmas because this is the this is the season. And I mean, as a little kid, not, you know, knowing that this was going to be where I landed as an adult. Right. But as a as a child, you get hit with those ghost stories very early. A Christmas Carol. um, It's a wonderful life. Like all of those stories have those scary ghosts. And I would cry in those movies and, and be scared. Right. And we get hit with it early. For sure. We do. And and one of the things that I think people forget is that most of what we're supposed to feel, feel about this holiday mm-hmm. was was taught to us in a ghost story, a, a Dickens, a Christmas Carol. You just said yeah. it, right? That that we're supposed to sort of face down our ghosts, our demons, look into our, our deep, dark past. Yeah. And only then can we be redeemed. And we can yeah. be redeemed in one night if we're lucky, if we're lucky that that old yeah. Jacob Marley shows up and says, listen, you monster, like you, we were in the same boat seven years yeah. ago and I've arranged something. You're not going to like it. <laughs> right. But yeah, but if you those were through, two words I yeah. wrote down on my paper, accountability and consequences. Well, right. We, we lost those. <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. uh, Scrooge had to be held accountable. He had to suffer the consequences, at least see literally Jacob Marley. This is what you will become to Scrooge. If you don't oh. change your ways. And he had the chance uh, to go through, run the gauntlet of his life, 
and yeah. come out the other side redeemed. And I thought about, um, you know, this this holiday has been so, uh, you know, commercialized, commercialized, and everything else. And religion, and, and, right? Religion was added to it very recently, only in the last couple decades, really. Really? Uh, oh, absolutely. This was this has always been a pagan holiday. Always, always. Christianity has been at war with Christmas since 336 AD until about 1978 or 79. Like oh, an endless war with this holiday because every piece of it is pagan. That it, I understood. And it harkens back to, um, you know, the Puritans literally banned it. Banned Christmas. We will work that day. We'll go to school that day. Um, if you If you dress festive, if you give gifts, if you make merry and other, quote, satanical practices, you'll be fined five shillings, which was like three days pay back back wow. during this time. Um, that was true in England. It was true in, in uh, colonial America. And eventually that the ban was lifted, but people still didn't celebrate Christmas. It was Dickens, Charles Dickens, that really invented the holiday, that made it more of like, no, this is a big thing. We, we Yes, we give gifts, but we... we look after the people who work for us and the people, the poor around us and we help each other. And, and that was the way and I, when I was a kid, I was raised Roman Catholic in the interest of full disclosure. Right. And I, I remember being a young kid and father Lawler who was a pretty tough priest was we were at the church hall and Santa was coming and he had a candy cane and a little wrapped present, which was a, a box of uh, plastic rosary beads for every kid. And Santa walked in and every kid, including me, was just like, oh, the world's biggest celebrity has just walked into the room. OMG, right? And then <laughs> Father Lawler was standing in the corner, folded his arms, laser daggers coming out of his eyes, looking at Santa Claus. And I just remember looking at Father Lawler and being like, do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? That is Santa Claus. And what's wrong with you? And yeah. what's wrong with him is that he knows biblically, uh, theologically, historically that, that Christmas has nothing to do with the birth of, birth of Jesus. No, that's, I wrote that nothing. down as a talking point for us today. Like yeah, I forget nothing. where it's Luke something. Yeah, like, cha Luke chapter two. Um, okay. That's our only clue in the Bible as to when Jesus was born. And it says shepherds lay out in the, in the night with their flock, keeping watch. And the angel of the Lord appeared and they were terrified. That is our only clue as to when the birth of Jesus occurred. And, right. and the reason for that is no accident. It's not important when he was born. Otherwise, the Bible would have told you. The Bible would have said it is critically important that you understand yeah. that this day was the day Jesus was born. But Jesus was a commoner. And commoners didn't track their birthday. Only kings did that. Only royalty. And so the, the whole point of the Jesus story is that he was born a commoner. Now, in Bethlehem, uh, the shepherds do stay out with their flocks all night. Right. But not in winter. Which means that's the only season we can rule out is winter. They'll do it from like late March all the way through, you know, October, maybe early November. Right. So those are the only months we can rule out according to the Bible. Again, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can celebrate Jesus. If you're a religious person, you can yeah. celebrate the birth of Jesus any day you wish. Uh, December 25th is as good as any other. But it, it was the reason it's December 25th is because the Roman Emperor Constantine was trying to sell Christianity to the masses. Unify under one God. There was just too many gods, you know, and, and he wasn't banning others. He wasn't outlawing others, but he was trying to sort of sell this idea. Now, they had Saturnalia there raging for like years. And this is a, a party from December 17th to the 23rd every year. It started out in the, the farm districts and it just became this huge, huge party 
where there's orgies and there's feasts and you drink the wine and the masters become the servants and there's the Lord of Misrule who gets to be the court jester at every house and right. just this wild party. And he knew he couldn't shut that down. It's too popular, you know? It's so, uh, but he's trying to sell Jesus to the masses. And he says, well, Jesus is a king. He's a king of kings and kings need birthdays. And so December 25th in the Julian calendar is the, uh, is the winter solstice. And the winter solstice is also Sol Invictus, the, the sun god, right? And it's, right. it's the shortest day, but it also marks the day where the sun starts to return. Every day after the solstice, the sun, there's a little bit more sunlight until we get to spring. And then summer, of course, uh, the summer solstice is the maximum. Right. And so he thought that would be the day, December 25th, 336, boom, Christmas. And uh, Christians, true Christians were at war with that day all the way up until our lifetime when they sort of gave up and said, all right, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's called Christ Mass, which I get, I get it. Um, but really, it was St. Nicholas who was the star of the show. And his day is December 6th. It's not the 25th. Right. And then, and then but it was... And then when Santa came along and everything else, it well, just, it and not to up. be confused with, right? Not to be confused. That's right. I specifically ask people if St. Nicholas and Santa Claus are, two, are, are not two different people in your head right now, split them apart, right? Because yeah. St. Nicholas arrives on December 6th. Uh, Santa Claus is December 25th. And yeah. in all of Europe and with the Coke. Right. With Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, so, with the Coca-Cola. In most countries, they're distinct. But in yeah. America, we've, we've and, and Canada too, right? We've, we've blended yep. them. You know, we've, yeah. we've really blended the two. And and not to say that there's not a lot of influence, no question. Um, but they are distinct in other parts of the world. And so, um, so, it so really. Blended it, just so that we can make our own, like we just, you know, we were, we needed to make our own or just not honoring the traditions, not understanding where it was coming from. Why do you, why do you think it got blended? So the, the early Puritans were all, um, uh, they were very anti-Roman Catholic. And so St. Nicholas Day, December 6th, like, you know, we'd rather not celebrate the saints too much. In fact, some, you know, mm. some uh, Protestants wanted to do away with the saints. So I think that was sort of a problem. Um, but also the idea of Santa Claus, Santa Claus was used uh, to promote the union during the Civil War in the 1860s. Santa Claus is on our that. side. Yeah, giving, you know, giving Union soldiers uh, presents and stuff and gifts and treats. And then he got bigger and bigger and then became associated with uh, December 25th is the day that, and, and again, Charles Dickens, you can't say it enough times, right? This, right. Was, this was the guy that really fueled the notion. Uh, Christmas got bigger after that story came out in the 1840s in England. He brought it to America in the 1870s, post-Civil War, right? I mean, he wouldn't come here while, while slavery was legal in America. Post-Civil War, Dickens brought his story to Boston first, and then it spread and spread. It became a federal holiday. Eventually, people got the day off. Nice. Uh, and then it, it just sort of grew from there. And uh, re religious people, especially Christians, really struggled. Christianity is not defined by the Christmas holiday whatsoever. Uh, Christianity is defined by Easter. Easter's your baby. Right. The That's, resurrection. The, everybody's born. Literally, everybody is born. But how many die and come back? And that that's what defines a Christian is the Easter holiday, not the Christmas yeah. one. And most people understood that. It's just somewhere along the way, they wanted to put a religion on it. I remember being a kid and being like, man, I have Jewish friends. Santa Claus doesn't visit them. That's awful. Like, he's the greatest guy. Why would he not go to my Jewish friend's house? Now, right. truth be told, 
Santa can go to your Jewish friend's house. They can go to your atheist friend's house, your Buddhist friend. It doesn't matter. Santa is can belong to everyone if we allow him to, right? If you if yeah. you open the chimney and let him in, um, it doesn't have to change your belief system one bit. Uh, it's okay for, for the big man to bring anyone gifts. So I grew up in Northern Ontario. Yeah. Middle of farming community. Like literally the gym that we used was a one-room schoolhouse that my grandparents went to like it was really the middle of nowhere so we didn't necessarily have organized religion when I was growing up we had like this community hall that was used like we had these nice ladies from the community would tell us you know bible stories and we'd sing songs and that was really about it as far as religion was was given to us but leading up to Christmas was and again in a farming community you're getting ready for winter yes that's, we all are. That's what we've yes. been doing for thousands of years. Getting ready for winter. Getting ready for winter. And in a farming community, what happens around the fall? Inclusivity. So everybody's helping each other with their harvest and, you know, canning, getting meats, curing, all of that kind of stuff. It's It was getting ready for winter so that we'd all survive. And you get together, you exchange gifts, you try to put your bygones aside because yep. if your roof My, collapses, <laughs> right? Yeah, the neighbor would come over because, you know, my grandparents and uh, had that big, long driveway that would blow over our driveway. So, you know, the neighbor had the better tractor and the blower and would take care of our driveways for us. Sure. <laughs> you know, like there's there's a, a bigger sense of community um, and and uh, supporting each other. And it didn't matter what religion anybody was at that point either. So nobody asked like hey, nobody asked. I before I bring you some some homemade breads that I made and clear your driveway, uh, who do you pray to? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that you just said that. My mom, my mom was, okay, she's going to get upset with me. She was 72, 73. She just had her birthday, just had her birthday. And she was taking a quilt that she has put together to sew with somebody else. And she made bread and she made pies and she was bringing it to this person as her thank you for you know supporting her so you that's know. what we do and that's what the yeah. holiday was always about and and I, yeah. I um the vikings knew it with yule uh saturnalia knew it you know yeah. uh, saturnalia became a steam valve for the whole year right so so the idea is that you work hard all year uh the, the wine is made the ale is made you slaughter animals because the meat will keep in the colder weather and so you mm. can have this feast that you, you really can't have any other time of year. And you're going to have time on your hands. If you're a farmer, there's not a lot to do in the winter, right? You're not taking care of the fields. You're, 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 hunk, you're, you're hibernating. You're, you're hunkering yeah. down. And so we know it's dangerous. If you get caught outside, you could die. You know, if, yeah. you're, if your roof collapses, you could like, die. Not joking. We had days where we were like snowed in for three days at a time. Right. My grandpa would come on his skidoo that smelled like that gas oil mix and, yeah. and you know, drag us up one by one to his place so that we could because it was warmer, they had a different stove that was right in their kitchen, like a wood stove right in their kitchen. Yeah. So like it really there's there's lots of reasons. And ha growing up with um you know, German, Irish, Scottish grandparents and, you know, those traditions as well, too, and what they brought to the table, that idea of community and, and supporting one another was was really driven home to us. It's so important. And this this season, uh, as I was saying, you know, Saturnalia becomes like a steam valve, but it's also 
a time to to commune because like yeah we're going to yeah. need each other to get through this this long difficult season we've yeah. gotten softer of course now we have snow plows and better electrical grids and doordash doordash yeah like <laughs> oh i really want a pizza but i don't want to yeah. go out it's snowy someone will bring it to you right yeah. you know and it's yeah. yeah we live in such a different time now but if you could just let your mind drift back just not even that long a hundred nope. years you know i mean just yeah. one century just uh just your grandparents is enough Think about your grandparents' generation and what that, you know, even in those times, which are still relatively modern, it, winter is a force to be reckoned with. Where you live, where I live, we still got to look down the barrel of the gun. Um, yeah. You got to deal with seasonal affective disorder, not a lot of daylight, some really cold spells where you, you can't get out, you can't socialize. Those are all things we have to deal with. And we got to get each other through that. And that's um, that's a big part of what this was always supposed to be about. Right. And um, I, it was so funny. I just jotted all these words down, like duality, light and dark, hope yeah. and faith, like all of this stuff is is really the that sort of main theme to each of these. It's like taking the Grimm's fairy tales and what we were supposed to learn as kids and what we needed to be scared of. These stories bring that same truth to right. us, whether we want to see it or not. It's, it's right there. I, I've been saying, like, you know, the only way to see the light is to get into a dark place. Yeah. I mean, when you're at the beach in July sipping a cocktail and the, the, the waves are tickling your toes, yeah. you can't see the light. The light's everywhere, right? You got yeah. it easy. You got it cushy. When it's dark and cold and when you're scared, that's when we got to find the light. And if it ain't out there, we better find it within. And I think these monsters are here to serve us, to frighten us, to get us on the right path uh, and help us find that light. And defining monsters. Yes. Yes, monsters, you know, things that come along that aren't human that will kill you, um, yeah. but not not for no reason. You know, I mean, they, they seek out to punish the uh, so, so it is a, is a monster who seeks out naughty and bad people a monster. Exactly. Right. I mean, is, is, that it? Evil? is it evil to punish right. the bad? I don't know. Or is Questionable. That I know. I, I know the packaging doesn't look too good with the, with the <laughs> horns and the fur and the. And the long fork, fork tongue. tongue. Yeah, yeah, and the hoops for feet. I get it. That's pretty frightening looking. Yeah. But he's not here for the good ones. He's here just yeah. for the bad ones. If you're if you're in a good place, don't worry about it. Krampus will walk right by. And when you research imagery, so a few years ago I made Krampus luminaries for oh, people it. for yeah, yeah. I made Christmas. I made I made everybody these luminaries for uh Christmas. Yeah. And um, when you do that research for images of, of a lot of these different um, monsters that you talk about in the book, you see black and white photos of little children with <laughs> these, you know, people dressed up representing these monsters. And, yeah. you know, Santa, you could have Santa and Krampus or right. um, Santa and Black Peter and little children equally in awe of those monsters as they are of St. Nicholas. There, there's a picture. I didn't use it in the book, but um, I've shown it when I do my, my live show. Uh, right. For the book, I got to interview a French school teacher who right. teaches um, preschool. And she she we were talking about Père Futar, who uh, Father Whipper. And the story is amazing. He, he shows up with St. Nicholas and uh, Father Whipper. He's very much like a Belschnickel character where he will he will beat the naughty kids with the switch of sticks. Doesn't right. kill them or eat them per se, just just hits them. And she said when she was in school, St. Nicholas and Father Whipper 
Père Futar would show up together and Père Futar is covered in like dark, dark skins and fur. And he carries a stick and you can't really see his face. He's absolutely frightening looking. And then right. St. Nicholas, of course, looks like a bishop and he looks very friendly with the white beard and everything else. And she said, I said, oh, well, do they still do that? And she said, oh, absolutely. We still do it. She's, she said, uh, um, <laughs> uh, in fact, I, they come to my classroom, even with the, the preschoolers. I said, you're kidding me. She said, oh, I'll show you a picture. And she sent me a picture <laughs> and it's amazing. Like you see these little kids and there's these two figures sitting there, dark pear futar and then light, you know, St. Nicholas. And all I can imagine is like little five-year-old, six-year-old me looking at these two figures coming in and wondering which one is here for me. <laughs> right? Have I been good? Have I been good enough? Been good enough. Yeah. The monster here for me. And that is really frightening. Makes you want to confess your sins. It makes you want to, it's a real consequence. When I was a kid, I was told you're going to get less presents or you'll get like colon sticks in your stocking. But shoot, imagine if my parents had said, no, you're going to die. This monster will literally come (laughs) drag you out of your bed (laughs) and kill you. What? Right? Like colon sticks, that'd be the least of your concerns. I I gave um, my nephew my nephew and uh, my children, uh, Cole, one year in their stockings. <laughs> and so now my nephew, who's 28, my daughter's 26, they have had one of those tins of coal that they have re-gifted each other back and forth every year. <laughs> you know, that. as a reminder, you know, were you good this year? Do you have anything you need to confess this year? So they hold each other accountable uh, every really year. Great. It's just super fun. Yeah. So, but it can, it can be literal, but it can also be metaphorical. Exactly. Hey, you know what? If you wait long enough and put enough pressure on that thing, it's yeah. a diamond. It's a diamond. That's what that's my right. nephew told her. Yeah. <laughs> he said that's what he was gonna have to do. But yeah. there's um can you can you share the because the story of um Parafutard is actually connected with Saint Nicholas like in, in a different way. Like the origin story is really kind <laughs> of quite awful. Yes. Terrible. Why you would be scared you might be murdered. (laughs) I hope no one's eating. So um, the the original story of how Père Futar came to be is that there was uh, long ago, there were three children that that were lost in a snowstorm and they found this village and the only light on was in a butcher shop and they walked into the butcher shop and the only one in there was this butcher and that there was no meat. It was an empty shop. And the kids said, can we please stay here till morning and, and find our folks? You know, we were lost in the storm. And that's when the butcher gets a horrible idea. He says, oh, sure, I'll take care of you. And he brings them in the back and he murders all three children. And he cuts them up into pieces and he puts their meat out into salting tubs to sell it to his customers. And St. Nicholas happens to be walking by and gets a little St. Nicholas tingling sense and says, something's not right here. He goes into the butcher shop. He sees the meat. And not only knows what that is, but knows who that is. And through the miracle of St. Nicholas, he's able to reconstitute the, the children back together again. They're going to be whole. They're going to be okay. And, uh, and he sends them on their way. And then he looks at the butcher and he says, you Christmas cannibal, you horrible monster. This is not acceptable. From now on, you work for me. From now on, you are Per Futar, your father whipper. You will only beat the naughty children that I tell you to be <laughs> not the cannibal, not the cannibal. No more cutting them up and eating them. Now you right. sort of beat them. 
And uh, that's that's where Père Futar was born of a, of a St. Nicholas story. And so, but there's the light and dark and the duality in it because it's also St. Nicholas is one of his miracles. That's right. One of many. He's the redeemer. He's, he's the one that yeah. helped. St. Nicholas is the patron saint for pawnbrokers for sailors, uh, <laughs> for children, like, like, you know, it's not just, it's not just kids, but he, for, yeah. for lots of people, um, there's lots of stories associated with St. Nicholas. One of my favorite ones was that uh, the day he became the Bishop of Myra, uh, there was a woman who was uh, washing her baby in a, in a pot of water over the fire. And just as it got warm enough, she's washing the baby who's loving the, the warm water. But then the church bell rings and she says, oh, goodness, I got to get to church to watch us watch the ceremony where, where the priest becomes a bishop, Bishop of, of Myra, Nicholas. This is a wonderful day. So she goes there and she spends hours at church, of course, completely forgetting her child on the hot water over the fire. <laughs> and she comes back and there's smoke everywhere. And she says, oh, my goodness, my kid's going to be cooked, you know, overcooked. But through the miracle of St. Nicholas, the child was just fine. And wow. this, this mother of the year was able to <laughs> scoop her baby out of the water who was just fine. And it was the miracle of St. Nicholas that preserved uh, that child. And I'm thinking, okay, this time, but my goodness, if, if you're that dumb <laughs> that you leave the house with your baby on the pot over the fire, maybe you're not fit. Just saying. Maybe you're not fit. Maybe. All of it. Childhood trauma. <laughs> There's a right? repeat to the stories. Childhood trauma therapy childhood <laughs> is so scary and frightening yes. and full of monsters and, and horrible horrible things and i understand we need we need the monsters because there are monsters in the world there's no question about that and we need the the good ones too we need the heroes and the superheroes and the supernatural heroes because we can't get through childhood alone either you know we need help and it's it takes it really does take a village and i think these these monsters saint nicholas santa claus us, we're all part of that village. Right. If we're talking about needing a village, do we also talk about like the Yule lads? <laughs> we can. Uh, <laughs> the Yule lads are weird. <laughs> it's very weird. There's yeah. thir 13, 13, yeah, correct? Right. Yeah, 13 Yule lads. Um, yeah, yeah, please, please share. Yeah, so they hail from Iceland and they come down uh, from the mountains in December and one visits you each day and stays for two weeks and then leaves. So like day one, there'll be one day two, there'll be two. And, you know, it sort of builds up over the span until they're all there. Uh, they all have specific names and specific traits. So one of them will just like poke your sheep with a stick and, and annoy your sheep. And okay. Uh, another one will lick your pots clean after dinner, you know, stealing your food. Another one will slam doors all night while you're trying to sleep. Another one will steal your skier, which is a, a Icelandic yogurt. And uh, another one peeps through the window. Uh, one steals candles, just on and on and on. Uh, but all each, watching you. All watching you, right? All like lurking through your home, <laughs> yeah. stealing your stuff. <laughs> which is the creepiest thought. Poking you, hiding yeah. under your bed, all kinds of terrible yeah. things. Uh, because they've come down from the mountains to sort of like, you know, collect their an annual rent. And, um, and, and, and now in Iceland, they're, they're on the news each night. They'll be like, oh, tonight, you know, the sheep coat cloud comes and tomorrow gully gawk and, and so on. And so the kids start to look out for them. And, you know, now, of course, you, you leave out shoes. You might get a little treat, a little candy or something in it each night. And, uh, but it's still a part of Icelandic culture. And in Iceland, too, I mean, there's, there's monsters and trolls and all kinds of things. And you have to remember, in Reykjavik, the capital, around the winter solstice, there's about four hours of sunlight. 
that's it, right? I mean, it's that far north. And if you go further north than that, it just gets less and less until, I mean, you're almost at the Arctic Circle at the very northern tip of Iceland. And so if you Where there are, would be no light. No, the sun wouldn't rise. Yeah. Uh, it would be uh, Arctic winter, uh, Arctic wow. night. And so uh, if you're a parent and you're, you're in a little village there where you only get a few hours of daylight you know, per day at this hard time of year, you tell your kids about these monsters because if your child wanders off into the woods at night in the cold, and night but could be like four in the afternoon, right? It, if, if they're killed by the elements or killed by a monster, what's the difference? Yeah. They're still killed. So by all means, you do indeed have something to fear up there, especially during this dangerous, cold, dark time of year. It, I may be morbid, but I've always thought there had to have been one kid that would did it. And then the story had to start. <laughs> like, you know, so-and-so, the neighbor's kid yeah, ruined absolutely. it for everybody. So now we got to create the story because, you know, like the story gets birthed from somewhere. Well, so, but the interesting thing about Iceland, which makes it unique compared to lots of other countries, is that when Europeans first landed in Iceland, there were no people there, right? Mm -hmm. Everywhere else they landed, they're like, we've discovered a country full of people, <laughs> full of indigenous people, right? But no, in Iceland, there really were no people because much before that, it was covered by ice. Like literally, right. like glaciers had to recede in order to expose Iceland. So they get there yeah, and there were no people. But there were trolls and there were monsters and imps and fairies and all kinds of fae folk and things like that. And the story goes that as, as towns and villages grew and then cities, all those magical creatures sort of got pushed up into the mountains where they had to sort of bide their time uh, and hide out. But they're still very much part of the culture. Iceland has redirected highways because that's a troll rock. You can't, you can't just blast the rock and go through it. You have to go around it because that's right. that could literally be a troll home. And, and that's, it's it's simply part of the culture and you can scoff at it or whatever you want but it's believed enough that the, the yule lads are there the gorilla the yule cat they have Grilla. got some serious monsters yes they do with the winter I, holiday and that's a conversation that i have with a lot of people as well too if enough people are putting that energy and intent and belief into something we can create it right if we're if we're saying that we can manifest things then we have to also acknowledge we can manifest those monsters as well too of course we can and i, I think too when uh, i've had discussions about santa claus with people and I've, I've said look if i if you close your eyes right now and i say santa claus there's a picture there's, mm -hmm. I, I didn't i don't have to i i said nothing but santa claus i didn't say what he looks like where he lives how he dresses you already know all that you know it i mean he's a tulpa at this point a thought form a real spirit of the yeah. season that uh possesses possesses me uh, every year, I can tell you that, and I welcome it, um, possesses lots of us. And spirit possession doesn't have to be a bad thing. You know, uh, in, in Judaism, they have the, the Dybbuk, right, which attaches to you. Yeah. And, and the Dybbuk can be bad. It can make you do bad things, but it can also be helpful. So if you're trying to, like, quit smoking, a spirit that did it in life might attach to you and help you through this difficult time and then leave you once you're sort of over the hump. And that's sort of beautiful, the idea that yeah. we can be possessed for good. For good, we can be possessed by, by different uh, elementals and creatures and so on. And, and I, I think Christmas just brings out all of them, uh, the dark side, the light side. But even the dark side has a purpose, a very noble purpose. Exactly. Again, yeah. coming back to that accountability, right? Right. We, we, wa we washed all that away during the 1920s, during Prohibition, uh, all when, when Santa Claus really rose to prominence. 
uh, and Coca-Cola started using it to sell Coke. And then other companies started to realize, wait a minute, whether, whatever you sell, whether it's donuts or cars or stereos or pizza, um, mm-hmm. that you can use the world's biggest celebrity to endorse your product for free, uh, <laughs> that just caught on. And so the holiday mm-hmm. became more and more about consumerism from like the 1920s to the 30s and 40s. And there was just no room for consequences because we need to spend, spend, spend. That's how you get, get out of an economic depression. It's how you get out of an economic recession. Uh, you spend money and Christmas became about consumerism first and then everything else came second. And and you can get bitter about that and angry about that, or you can simply change it and you're allowed to change it this year. You can start your own traditions and say, oh, for me, it's more about the things we cook and bake for each other. Or mm-hmm. I would like uh, my Christmas to look like this. You can have it. Anything you want. That How wonderful is that? That yeah. you can carry traditions that work for you and that you love and you can drop ones that don't, uh, you are allowed to define it each and every year. And that's awesome. And I think these these monsters are coming back. Maybe they're here to remind us it doesn't have to be about consumerism. And, and really, who's the monsters? You people like fighting at Walmart at 6 a.m. when they open <laughs> and literally killing each other to get like some new thing at a discount? Or yeah. us that comes to beat the naughty kids and, and scare you a little bit during a dangerous time of year. Like, really, who is the monster? Yeah, exactly. If you are just joining us now, you are listening to Spirit Switchboard on the United Public Radio Network and the UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7. We are just continuing this conversation with uh, Jeff. We're going to, I was thinking, you know, where we left off about consumerism is, and going to our next monster is, you know, Krampus and his book and his like movie deal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, like, I think, do you feel that that helped bring those storylines back, you know, being? Of course, you can't, yeah. you can't deny the power of popular culture and movies and yeah. things like that. But, you know, m- movies don't dictate where we go, right? They, it's, it's a reflection, right? So, yeah. so uh, Krampus rose to enough prominence on his own before Hollywood said, like, hey, Let's let's do a movie. Bank on this. Let's let's, let's uh, see how that goes. Yeah. Um, you know, there are Krampus runs now all over, not just Austria and Germany where he's from. There's there's the the Krampus Society of New England where I live holds a ball every year uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, and it's so fun. All these people come dressed up as Krampus. Uh, over in Austria, I got to speak to the Krampus Museum, and he was saying how now with Krampus runs, you know, the Krampuses still carry sticks and and so on, and if you're on the parade route. They'll run by and they'll um, uh, they'll they'll hit your legs to sort of knock uh, the bad spirits and bad cheer out of you, and um, and so it's more about sort of like you know keeping you in good cheer and in a good place as opposed to killing you. Right. Awesome. But, Sticking but you in the basket and running. He evolves with the times. They they all the monsters do. That's how it is. But do they all? Do, do all the monsters evolve over time? There's certainly um, they one evolve that or has... perish, yeah. right? I mean, if they don't work yeah. for the time, we don't. Then they're gone. Yeah. That's. I mean, I can't think of an exception. Unless we talk about Black Peter. Oh, well, the, well. I, we're, now we're talking about one that's dying and going away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Needing yeah. to evolve, like there right. are some traditions that need to evolve. 
so, depending on which camp you sit in, right? Well, right. So Zwarte Piet uh, in the Netherlands, Black Peter, he's, um, the, the weirdest thing is that he was born in like the 1850s and he was a, a part of a children's story. And in the 1850s, the Dutch were still very, very uh, prominent in the slave trade and their biggest customer was the United States. So uh, once the Civil War ended and slavery was abolished, the, the, the slavery market sort of dropped out and the, the Dutch stopped trading enslaved and so on. The Black Peter was originally a servant of St. Nicholas. He was, quote, rescued or purchased as a child and then worked for St. Nicholas and more or less still a slave, sort of, which is right. not great. But um, no. St. Nicholas would come from Spain and uh, he might come in a hot air balloon or leave in a hot air balloon. And his servant, Zuarte Piet, would either punish the naughty or if there was no hope at all, he would take the naughty away and it, it could become lethal at that point. And so uh, that evolved over time. And then for some reason, when they started to do St. Nicholas parades, uh, Black Peter was always depicted by a white person in blackface. Yeah, and, it makes and, no sense. Yeah, year no after sense. year. And that, that continues to this day. And now he's making international news because a person wearing blackface, there's just no real acceptable reason. You can never say like, well, yeah, he was in blackface, but. Like, yeah, no, because it's just racism all the way around. Right. There's no way to anything after the but that you can say that's going to make that okay. Yeah. And so there's there's two camps. And we see this in the United States. We see this all over. There's two camps. One says it's tradition. Don't get so hung up on it. We're not being racist. We're just being traditional. And then there's another camp that says a person in blackface is not acceptable. We just, we have to stop this. No other country does this. No other country has it. Like this is absolutely unacceptable. And so uh, Shorstan Piet uh, was, came around not that long ago. Chimney Pete. Chimney Pete is, is just dirty. He's covered in soot. And a, a white person can be dirty. Belschnickel's covered in soot too. And so, um, so people were like, okay, well, let's call him Chimney Pete. And then he doesn't have to be in blackface. Um, and then they came up with rainbow peats. So you could have, you know, a blue peat, a yellow peat, red peat, orange peat, and so on. Um, and then sort of like to make them blend in. And the reality is that he's, uh, some communities are like, we're not having black peat in our, our parades anymore. And others, they're like, no, we're going to be traditional. It doesn't matter. It's part of our history. And then you've got like neo-Nazis on one side doing Nazi salutes to Black Peter. And then you've got protesters on the other side. And that was never what any of this was supposed no. to be about. It was supposed to be about St. Nicholas coming, bringing toys to the good girls and boys and, uh, and spreading some holiday cheer. And now it's just this big old war. And so you've got, you know, factions in, in the Netherlands that are just like, it's, you know, it's about tradition and others saying it's not okay. We have to evolve out of this. And, and really, I mean, in the United States, is it all that different than we should take down civil war statues or no, we shouldn't, you know, um, it, it is a little different because the statues then, themselves aren't in yeah. blackface, right? It's, it's about, so it's remembering history. Yeah. So on the one hand you're remembering history, but on the other hand, you know, you're celebrating perpetuating. A, a bad part of it. So I don't have the answers. If I did, I swear I'd tell you. Um, yeah, no, no, no. It, but it, I mean, avoiding the conversation doesn't change anything either. Correct. Yeah. You can't hide from it, but you don't want to mm -hmm. celebrate it, but you don't want to, but, but he was a work of fiction all the way from like the earliest days. He was yeah. literally a work of fiction. And I struggled with whether to include him in the book or not, because 
I mean, am I helping to keep him around, you know, by giving him ink or am I sort of addressing a much bigger discussion about, well, some traditions that work, we keep or they evolve yeah. and some traditions that don't, maybe it's just time to drop it. And um, I hope that would be one of those examples. I, I hope so, too. That's yeah. the energy that I'm going to put out too. <laughs> the well, energy well, that I'll right. put you to is like drop it or, or evolve it. Again, let's say you're the mayor of some town in the Netherlands. You don't, you don't want neo-Nazis in your Christmas parade. Like you no. just don't, you don't want people finding a, an icon. So is it community or community are each community is making their own decision on how they're going to address it. Is that what as that's that was as of last year there's no like federal gotcha. you know mandate or your or, or denial you're not allowed to or not not allowed it's, it's really up to each community many of them are sort of doing away with it uh bring it in chimney peat it's chimney peat instead and that's and, and everybody knows who you mean and you, you just, do it long enough it will become its own tradition too it just becomes its own thing it's just like oh yeah. here comes chimney peat and it's just yeah. you just gotta hang in there and keep with it and, but then the problem is some people see chimney peat and get all cranky like that's not real the real one is this and you go well the real one doesn't work in our times anymore so yeah. it's gotta go yeah it does yeah. and it does not no it doesn't i was it thinking doesn't, doesn't age about adopting well, like adopting traditions even though they're not necessarily part of your community so one of those traditions that i've adopted was a hate blue ceiling on my porch Oh, hate blue. Yeah. I was, at a, blue. I was at a plantation in Virginia back in September and they, they had the hate blue um, yeah. on their porch as well. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Southern, Southern word for ghosts. Hate. So, yeah. Southern. Hate. So keeping, yeah. keeping out those, those spirits and, and the thought behind it, confusing them with yeah. confusing the spirits with water. Right. So that yeah. they, they don't feel they can enter a home. Um, and it was purposeful. It was purposeful and mindful when I was painting the ceiling of, of the porch and in what I was doing. So I was putting that intention and, um, and in reading the book and, and preparing for this, I had not thought about why I was putting evergreens on my front door. Like it, it, I really, I was, it made me pause like, holy cow, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I had all these other things that I was mindfully doing, but I was not mindful about the purpose or the intention of what those evergreens were actually about. So maybe What's, that's something we can talk about now. Yeah. So uh, w I was the same way. I was putting up a fake wreath and, and doing it because that's what my dad did and that's what the neighbors do and it looks pretty enough and whatever, but yeah. um when I understood that it really has significance that when our Nordic ancestors looked out on the landscape and saw that winter kills everything, winter kills the flowers and the grass and the, and the trees, the trees are naked and skeletal. Uh, it, it kills the ponds and lakes. It's frozen solid. It doesn't move. Right. But there was one tree that winter couldn't kill. And that tree is the evergreen. And so it, it obviously must be powerful, must be magical that it can stand up to winter's fury. And so you would take those branches and put them over your doors and windows. You'd, you'd fasten them into wreaths because you want those those prickly uh, needles to keep the bad spirits out and keep the good cheer inside. And, and you hear sounds, by the way, uh, during this time of year that you don't hear the rest of the year. Yeah. And it might just be the wind whipping through those trees, but it, it shrieks. And it doesn't sound like that in the summer or in the fall or the spring. No. It sounds like that only in the winter. And, uh, and, and so it's a reminder, like, no, we need to, we need to light up the night because it's long and dark. I need to be a beacon. We need to put these, these pine needles up. We will take a tree indoors 
to, to remind us that we can be strong too, just like the evergreen, that we can get through this season. And and we, when you understand there's meaning behind it, I do want the bad cheer and the bad spirits outside. I do want the good cheer inside. Yeah. And so now when it when I do something that has meaning, it's not just um, it's not just doing it out of because it's rote or whatever. It's doing it because I want it to mean something. Yeah, there's an intention, mm-hmm. like a purposeful intention behind it, and uh, and that's important. It should be in everything that we do, right? Everything that we do should have that purposeful intention. That's right. Purposeful intention behind it. Yeah. Just hung my wreath up yesterday, actually. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> it was very mindful, and when I was when I was putting that up, for sure. Um, Yeah. So Nordic, you, you use that term Nordic traditions as well, too. So what would your home smell like if you were really doing a traditional Nordic? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not cinnamon and cloves. No, no, a little different. Uh, so in the wintertime, you're going to need to hunt in order to supplement your diet. And yes. When they were lucky enough to find sure. a deer or an elk or something like that, uh, they they would kill the animal. And as they're taking the meat out in the field, they would pull the entrails out, the intestines and the guts, and they would drape them around evergreens out there like garland as an offering to this powerful tree, which would also feed birds of prey and other animals that would come along and, and have something to eat and help them get through the winter. And so today we still put garlands on our Christmas tree. It could be popcorn and cranberries. It could be wood blocks or whatever. But if you want to have a traditional Christmas, I think you should just get some deer entrails, wrap them around the tree and uh, call it a day. The smell is going to be awful. I mean, absolutely putrid. But when people walk in, they'll say like pine needles and rotting animals like that is really something you could say that is the smell of an authentic traditional Christmas. Yeah, we are going to celebrate an authentic. (laughs) And you know what? With super awful, maybe not awful. I don't know maybe therapy inducing for some, but when you grow up in Northern communities and hunting and farming and all of that stuff, my grandpa had this small log cabin in behind the original farmhouse and he called it his shanty. And so he was the um, community trapper. If there was like nuisance animals, he was the one that everybody called to trap these animals and he would um, skin the animals trap, he would stretch hides, he would do all of that stuff in this like little shanty of his in the back. And I would sit in there, there was a wood stove. And it is a, there is a distinct smell to all of that. But I loved my grandpa, this old stoic German fellow, and he would tell all kinds of stories in there. I'm telling you, I was, I understood (laughs) that winter was long, and that you needed to prepare and you needed to honor the animals and honor the land, like respect uh, respect the land and, and, uh, respect the resources. Right. And that's what a big part of all of this was about. Yeah. You got to, I mean, and then I know people that listen to us in like temperate climates where it doesn't get that cold are probably saying like, why would you choose to live somewhere that could be so dangerous? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You just move, move a thousand miles South and, uh, just, you know, you're like, Ooh, it's cold today. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not just cold. Like we had like, bears on our like just walk across the back my kids to not that they've had the same sort of experience but certainly for a short period of time they did like where 
you know, the, the a certain bell would go off um, during elementary school and they knew they had to get back into the school quick because there was a bear sighting on the school, on the school yeah. property. You know, like they just, um, they understood that at a, at a younger age. And yeah, not everybody has those experiences or don't under, they don't understand for sure. There's a monster outside that could eat children. Stay inside. Yes. Not, not that weird, is it? Right? No, it is. It is. It is not that weird, nope. but not not all. Not yeah. I mean, we could find monsters two doors down from us and not realize that the, oh. there's a monster living two doors down from us. We could find monsters in our churches, and uh, we could yeah. find monsters uh, in our political arenas and everywhere else, and and our news is filled with them. So yeah, mm -hmm. of course, of course, we know there's monsters in the world. It's it's no secret. Everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah. Tomten. Yeah, the Tomten uh, is from Sweden, and the Tomten is a, a helper elf who is there to help you around the house, help you with chores. If you're sleeping in, getting a little lazy, maybe poke you, get you out of bed. And um, all the Tomten asks for a year of service is that you leave out this bowl of Riesengross, which is this uh, sticky sweet rice pudding on Christmas Eve. And if you don't do it, the worst thing the Tomten can do to you is leave, and then you'll have no help at all. So he's kind of like this this little elf creature, all beard and hat and, and short little squat body. Uh, you probably won't see him, but you leave that bowl out on Christmas Eve and he'll eat it and be so happy and he'll serve you for another year. And I know for some people that seems rather pagan to leave a food offering out for you know elves and gnomes yeah. on Christmas Eve. But then I just go, you know what? How long have you been leaving cookies and milk out? You know? Exactly. Cookies and milk. For and sure. That, and it's... You you actually give us the the, the recipe. recipe. You do. Yeah, I know because I'm like I never knew how to make it. Make it so uh, <laughs> it's um, I, I haven't I haven't heard yet. Well, the book just came out, so we'll see if um, we'll see yeah. if people in September was it in September? Yeah, it came out in September, but it's really starting mm -hmm. to pick up steam now. It's um, more and more people are buying it. I'm getting more feedback now, and which makes sense. I mean, people aren't thinking about Christmas in September. I, I totally understand. Um, but yeah, it just came out, and and it's uh. We'll see how many people make the recipe and see what they think of it. So I was actually going to ask my mom. I was going to share it with my mom because my mom is a big rice pudding. Like we, we, it was certainly something that we grew up with, but there was never the one almond in it. Right. So one almond, if you have a nut allergy, use something else. Use a prune or a raisin or something. Um, so the, the almond, once you make the bowl of rice pudding, you put the almond, just stick it in there somewhere. And as you're scooping it out to different people, to your guests and family, um, it's whoever gets the almond, whoever finds the almond gets like a special treat or an extra present or whatever tradition, or maybe has to clean up, right? Maybe has to do the dishes. <laughs> you, you do you, whatever works for you. And so that's the, uh, that's the, isn't there, the isn't there like a Victorian tradition like that too? Like if you find that something in the cake or there's some kind of treat, I thought there was something Victorian attached to that as well too. I think you're thinking about breaking someone out of jail when you give them the cake and it's got the file in it. Oh, uh, no, no, no. That's how they get through the bars. I don't think so. I thought no, it was right, some yeah. kind of Victorian tradition. They yeah, did, yeah, Victorians right. did weird things around Christmas holidays. They did. They did. They did all kinds of wonderful, weird things. And, and if you think about it, our Christmas traditions today are such a melting pot of so many different cultures. Yeah. Uh, cultures and beliefs and, and uh, foods and, and practices and so on, it's all sort of come together. And I think that's awesome. Uh, it should be that. It should be inclusive. It should be a melting pot. And because it is a melting pot, again, you're allowed to define it. Yeah. 
and and not feel stuck in one tradition that it could be many different traditions that's of course correct yeah because right. it, it, it is already mo- many different tra- traditions yeah. it's not like well christmas must mean a tree a wreath you know uh cookies turkey like it, it does none of that matters right it, it's mm-hmm. uh take it if it works for you and drop it if it doesn't yeah yeah doesn't matter if it starts with die hard and (laughs) you know like it 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 becomes debatable everybody wants to debate what a tradition actually a a tradition is a habit that's all it is and um traditions can be one year old they can be 100 years old they can be 1000 years old um you are allowed to make them or break them and and the thing about christmas especially is that it's always been sort of packaged nostalgia and when i was a kid like it was a drug you know, I mean, I was high from like Thanksgiving here in the U.S. right through New Year's. Well, and- I don't know if you did, but that Sears Christmas wish book came before school started. So it came at the end of summer. So by oh, the yeah. beginning of September, you were circling the bubblegum machine and <laughs> all those things that you wanted out of the Christmas Sears wish book. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's um, of course, because that's what it's about. You got to buy, you got to spend. Consumer consumerism but right but it's it's uh <laughs> yeah no and, and of course there's still some of that today and by all means if you want to buy gifts for people and folks you love i that works too there's i mean yeah. i've got my own wish list and, and i'm excited to get some presents for some people in my family and um but but you want it to be special you know and 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 i wonder too if if maybe like the rise of internet shopping has brought some of these monsters back too because think about how easy holiday shopping is now when mm. I was younger, like you had to face the malls and the stores and get up early and go to sales and go to six different stores to find the one damn toy that your kid wants. Now it's just online and you can be like, I got my list here. Click, 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 click. How much? Yeah. Well, that's a lot, but I'm done. Click, right? Yeah. It'll be here in two or three days. Uh, I'll wrap it up. Bada boom, bada bing, right? Um, on with my next thing. In the book, you dedicated it to your mom. I did. And and said, you know, that she kept that magic going for you. Are there traditions that she started that you've kept? Are there traditions that you've, cause you're, you're a parent as, yeah. as well too. So, um, you know, there's yeah. comfort in traditions as well too, especially if we don't have those family members anymore with us. So some of those we keep for the comfort and connection. So we don't feel disconnected from them. Sure. So, I mean, in my, we're going to my parents' house for Thanksgiving and, and mom will have the tree up for the kids to de- grandkids to decorate, you know, during dinner, before dinner, after dinner. Um, so there's that part of it. There's, there's, we always have spaghetti and meatballs on Christmas day. And oh, the reason is fun. it's so easy. Like we make it ahead of time. So you just warm it in the pot all, all day long. And when you want to eat, you throw the pasta in, right? I mean, it's pretty easy. Um, so we have certain like food traditions and cookie traditions and so on. Um, and and it's uh yeah i mean part of that but it's just my mom goes through so much trouble to make it as perfect as possible and i love that um it just means so much to her and like i said it was a drug when i was a kid like you would be floating on that drug and as i got older the 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 high lasted less and less time to the point at one point it was not there at all where i I didn't feel that that christmas spirit and it made me so sad but then i became a dad and that helped a lot um but now that my daughter's a teenager it's it, it, again, I, I, I'm finding it through ghost stories and monster stories, and that's bringing me comfort again, which is great because that yeah. is a really 
fun spirit to have infect you, um, you know, each year. And when it was missing, uh, I think I knew how Scrooge felt. Right. Um, even the new version of Scrooge, right? It's yeah. not new. It's the, it's, it's, it's an older movie, but it still shows you those monsters, right? Like it's still connecting you to those monsters and bringing it into our time. Well, but again, because that, that this, the reason A Christmas Carol has been done and redone and a redone. million times by Muppets and comedy and everything in between yeah. um, is, is part of the reason is because it, it's always evolving for the time. Um, and that's, you know, that's why we keep telling that story. Right. Well, I, I realize that you need to run. I Sorry. realize you need to. No, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Thank you so much for spending your uh, time. I know that you've got such a, a busy, hectic schedule and, and doing your book tour and promoting the book tour. And I hope that it's wildly successful. I, I heard somewhere along the way that the warehouses are empty. They're empty, which is really exciting and awful at the same time. It's um, the stores still have it. So if you see it for sale online or in a local store, like that's it, that's the first edition. And I think it's going to be gone, Yeah, um, which is, which is great. It, it, I'm, I'm glad it's been so well received so far. It's also an audiobook that won't run out. You can, I, I narrate it. So that's uh, available and it's an ebook and that won't run out either. Yeah. And they can, they can find it. Uh, they can find the book where? Anywhere. Every, it's, anywhere. Uh, it's anywhere you sell books. They all the distributors have them and online. And, and we have, we'll have the link uh, in the description for the show as well too. So uh, if anybody's wanting to purchase it that way and we can redirect them to your website as well too. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Thank you. Take care. So I would love to know, you know, what do you guys, do you guys have traditions? Are there things that, um, you know, that, that you do with your families uh, year after year? Are there traditions that you want to or have grown out of that, that you would uh, like to change? You know, some of the things that I've done with my kiddos um, are not necessarily things that I had when I was a kid, but knew um, that it was bringing me joy to start those traditions. So, you know, definitely Krampus is something that we talk about in our family structure and we talk about it a lot. Uh, the kids know how much that is a, a story that we continue. And now that I'm a grandma, that changes things too. Though I don't necessarily get called grandma, I get called queenie, which is just as its own barrel of fun, right? And my granddaughter is uh, three and she's seeing those, those images. Not that it scares her, but she likes being... Um, it's the story and the storytelling. And uh, we do this thing called um, magic reindeer food. Anybody else do that? Uh, so we do this magic reindeer food, which is essentially just sugar and oatmeal and, and sprinkles. And we toss it, uh, we toss it outside. So it sparkles in the snow because we, well, there's the odd year that we don't have snow here, but most of the time that we do and it sparkles in the snow. And when uh, maybe, 
you know, she'll be old enough this year, but I know when my, my, like my oldest is 30. So when my kids were smaller and I did this, I would uh, put the magic reindeer food out and then I'd wait a half hour. Then I'd go outside with bells and I would just ring these bells so that the kids would go to sleep um, rather quickly because they knew that Santa couldn't come in unless they were sleeping. And uh, (laughs) so I would have my kids asleep like, by 9 30 and then I would spend the rest of the night wrapping presents <laughs> like on my own or putting toys together and all that kind of fun stuff but you know we want to make things magical for them and it's magical for us and it's fun to be able to continue that uh tradition um you know with that with that next generation and uh I think it's just uh it's like a warm blanket. I don't know when you, it feels like a good hug when you're getting that hug and there's comfort and, and stability and safety in that uh, tradition. So it's definitely one of those ones that's a, a favorite for me is, is making it as magical as, as possible. Though I don't think that tradition of like putting things together at the last minute or wrapping everything at the last minute is something that I want to do anymore. Like I will pass that off to my my son for him to do for her from now on. Um, but I would love, I would love, to, you know, uh, chime in with your comments and the things that uh, you do within your family structure. And um, maybe there's ones that you would uh, like to start that you haven't tried, but knowing that traditions can evolve and change and is fabulous. We did a couple of years too. Food is a big thing. Like um, it, food traditions. Uh, one year we'd had Chinese food for, for thanks for like not Thanksgiving for Christmas because we just wanted something different and we we needed to switch it up and change so we had Chinese food but anyway so I'm so glad that uh everybody was here this is like our kickoff for the Christmas season uh for those of us um you know that celebrate because there are some that that don't but uh you know I would love to I would love to hear uh, if you have that same connection to Krampus, um, the tree behind me, if you are watching, eventually is going to have all those Krampus ornaments on them. I was a little uh, behind the times and didn't get it up fast enough for the interview today. Um, next week, uh, next week on the show, I have uh, Melissa Soma. Um, Melissa is a chakra specialist, a Reiki master. She is a psychic medium. She's a metaphysicist. Um, metaphysicist. Oh, I'm going to just bumble that up. Me and my words aren't working well. Maybe I need to be a little more caffeinated. But she is a mentor and she is a five-time uh, champ- world champion, world champion martial artist. And we're going to have so much to talk about Um with Melissa uh, next week as well too. So thank you so much for for hanging out uh, with us. Thank you for listening. And you have been listening to the UFO Paranormal Radio Network and to the United Public Radio Network 105.3 and 107.7 New Orleans.